Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insight. This is actually the second part. I'm actually doing this on the Thursday, which I'm usually taking Thursdays off, but there was enough for another episode. The last half of my discussion with Ray and Victor and Mike about the 2023 Baseball Card Hall of Fame ballot that I filled out and shared on their episode. This is mostly me talking, but trying not to edit out everything they say. But on my episodes, I'm trying to share my insights. So had a good time with that. Again, these guys, it's a labor of love, but there's a labor there, as I know from back in the early days. But it's a great contribution to get some cards out there, get discussion about what the really iconic cards are. And it's very democratic. These guys don't even vote, which I think they should. I vote once. The tally will be made, I think, either on Friday or after Friday of this week. That's August 4th. So this is not an evergreen episode, hence I'm rushing it. I should have done it before the National, but I just had no time. So I said, guys, let's just do it right after the National. I'll try to hustle it into my flows. I hope you take part. This is something that's been great for five years now. So thanks, guys, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Another rookie from 79, which also has a centering and Condition yep. issues. What about Ozzy, the whiz? I didn't vote for him. I've told the story on my podcast that I actually had his rookie shoes. I got back in 1979. I got it from a guy that was tight with Ozzy and the Padres. And so it's rookie shoes. And the only reason I got them is because they were nine and a half, which is my size. So talk about a great smart collector i wore them <laughs> and then to make matters worse i traded this pair of shoes because i quit playing hardball and i, I think yeah. what an idiot i was i'm taking this iconic one of the greatest fielders of all time maybe i'm thinking the shoes will rub off that it's the shoes and so i wear them for a few games i think most guys aren't wearing metal cleats so i traded them for a 56 tops willie mays i wanted a do-over yeah, <laughs> this was like 1979 or 80. I probably got it in 79 and traded it off in 1980. Yeah, it's premature. Yeah, I wish it was the 82 tops. That kind of photo was his well, rookie I, card. I agree in the sense that he's obviously way more well known as a cardinal, and that's a tough, interesting extended set kind of card. All right, the next one's a 1980 Charlotte O's. The orange card, which is a lot harder to find, I actually looked up on this website, ripkinintheminers.com, and it showed a bit about this card and the whole team set. I have the blue one on my wall, and the orange is incredibly tough. Mm -hmm. The blue one came out of these team sets that were given away at Crockett Park in 1980. Why it's so rare is because they didn't give out team sets to everybody that was at the game the policemen would hand out one or two cards at a time to people. I guess they printed a lot less of them, and they're really thin, and the paper isn't that great. That's true. The police sets have gotten a bad name since then because police sets, especially in the 80s when they were real prevalent, they handed out the whole set. Those Mm -hmm. dealers got sets to sell. But this predates that. They'd pass out one or two of them. You just don't see these orange ones. The blue ones, you can find them occasionally. So it's one of my cool collectibles. It's a great Ripken card. I did vote for it. I did not vote for the Gwyn. I'm curious, why did you guys pick the Opeachy? I didn't. This one's been on for a couple of years now. We were looking for a Canadian-issued card. This year, I thought about a Canadian card, this one, 36 Joe DiMaggio. 
I would vote for that in a flash. I passed on buying that many decades ago, and I really regretted it. That, to me, that's a legit rookie. It's North American, pack-pulled. Uh, Some more 80 cards. 84 Fleer, Glenn Hubbard Snake card. I lumped him in with the Mickey Hatcher, and I would eventually pick the Hubbard Snake card over the Big Glove Hatcher card. But okay. I wasn't going to do it this year. It got some buzz back in the day. Mm-hmm. Even now, there's some interest in that. I would eventually vote for the Hubbard card. Yeah. But it's a novelty. It's not a superstar, mm-hmm. but it actually has a good following. I put one on Comp C and it went instantly. Yep. Victor said, did these cards leave a mark on the hobby? Mm-hmm. Is there something about the actual card that makes it special? And that's why a lot of these cards are on the ballot. They made a mark on the hobby in the 80s. People love these cards. And that's why they're on here, not necessarily for the value. It's not an expensive card. Yeah. All right. This one's a little bit more expensive. The 1984 Fleer update, Roger Clemens. The key card in that update set with Kirby Puckett in 84. So did Roger get your vote? The Hall of Fame quandary. That's the problem. I mean, if he can't get in the regular Hall of Fame, his statistics are so off the chart. This would be a first ballot card because arguably just a spectacular set along with Puckett. It's a great card and you don't see it that often, but he does not get hobby love yet. If all of a sudden there'd be some kind of a change of heart or something, this guy has got stats like crazy. Yeah. This eventually should get in just like I really believe he should eventually get in the Hall of Fame. I agree. To me, this is one of the key 80s cards. Yeah. You can't make a list of 50 80s cards and not have this one in it. Again, Victor knows this, but if something came in a box set, it was more likely to be categorized, at least by me or our company, as an XRC. Not pack-pulled. Some of the tops traded sets also had some packs, but this was just strictly a box set. If you wanted it, you paid the money. And I wish I'd have bought a whole bunch of them, but I've got one. And they were only available in hobby shops when they first came out. Roger, I bought an in-person autograph at the National this year, and I got his rookie card signed. But I can tell you one thing. His hobby love, I believe, is growing. He just started signing recently, and he had a good three and a half hours worth of signing. That's how many people were waiting for his signature. It was insane. Victory's got upside. There's a lot to say for being a decent guy, a good person to the fan base, maybe apologizing. We'll see about that. He's an alpha male. He Basically, for some period of almost 20 years, he was one of the dominant pitchers in the game. Yeah. Another dominant guy right here, Mr. Barry Bonds. Same thing. If he got in the Baseball Hall of Fame, he'd be in the Baseball Card Hall of Fame immediately, I think. And the statistics are so gaudy. Uh, he he changed the game. He'd get walked with the bases loaded. Is this Tiffany the right card to pick? He's got the 86 Fleer so. update. I think so. The Tiffany's were tough. You could pay your money and get them, but people didn't always do that. And having representation in the Baseball Card Hall of Fame of Tiffany cards, if people were walking through the mythical Hall of Fame of baseball cards, they would say, what's a Tiffany? They'd find out that Tops had this nice, extra, high-gloss, white-back card, mm-hmm. high-quality Again, box set, it's probably his best rookie card. Yeah, that's what we thought as a committee. All right, here's another pitcher, Greg Maddox. He is in the Hall of Fame, 87 Donruss. Gotta wait. If you talk about flamethrowers, heat, he's not in the discussion. You talk about a pitcher, <laughs> the best pitcher, yep. you feel his position, he was a good athlete, 
great control. If you had a young kid, tell him to watch Greg Maddox. Not everybody's yeah. the, the hundred mile fastball yeah. guy can really pitch. Yeah. So he's not a glamour player because of that. And so I think he's got to wait. Even if this is one of his better cards, it's mainly because of the black border and the condition rarity. It's not that tough of a card to get it raw. Next is the 1990 Lee Frank Thomas, the big card in the early 90s, especially when he was hitting tons of home runs with Ken Griffey Jr. and Albert Bell and Mo Vaughn and those guys in the mid-90s. The 90 tops, no name on front, has been enduring card, got some buzz in 1990 when people figured out that, hey, wait a minute, there's no name on the front of some of these and the chase for that. And so whereas the Leaf Thomas has faded in terms of interest. I would eventually vote for the no name on front before I would vote for the 90. If you were taking a vote back in 1990, the 90 Leaf Thomas was arguably as hot as anything. Yeah. How long did it take for people to find this no name on front in 1990? The problem was if you find one, it might just be a printing defect. If you find two, then you think that's just a Mm -hmm. printing defect. But when you start finding three or four or five or six, you think, wait a Mm -hmm. minute, this is enough to make it a collectible variation. And that happened over time. And maybe some more have come out, but it's still really scarce. It's really scarce. Mm-hmm. If it's rated authenticated and in some of the big auctions, it's still a great card for a great player. Next, we've got the Desert Storm card, a 91 tops, a Chipper Jones rookie. I did vote for it basically because I am an American. <laughs> I served in the Fair Army. Enough. Anything that makes people come into this virtual baseball card hall of fame and say, Hey, what's Desert Shield? The story is Tops put out these cards to encourage the service men and women in Iraq. Yep. So I think it's worthy of just having that story be told. We'll move on to another 91 card. This card back in 1991, it was a joke that they called it an SP because it really was not that tough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You've already done a football card hall of fame. That's rolling. Yeah. But when you do a basketball card hall of fame, have a hallway that goes between the baseball card hall of fame <laughs> okay. and the baseball card hall of fame and put this card in the hallway that connects those two because explaining why Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of the time, stepped away and became mm-hmm. not a great baseball player. He had some moments in the minors, but this card represents that cultural moment for baseball and basketball. I'd love to see it get in eventually, but I don't have it this year. Okay. 1992 Bowman, the Mariano Rivera rookie card. Victor, this is a rookie card that breaks a lot of the rules. But even in the beginning, it was recognized as a rookie card. And it, it pains me to say that, but seeing this skinny kid in bloomer slacks that on <laughs> to become the greatest closer I've seen, that's catching a moment in history but who's this skinny kid 20 years later just the greatest closer of all time so i have it in and it just proves that you can't judge the book by its cover pretty inauspicious unassuming start for a young guy it's the reason why moment prospecting is a thing now yeah the 94 upper deck sb a rod is a big deal in mid 90s I, I lived it. So did you guys. That's why it's on the ballot. This is a great player. But there's a reason why it's this year, because he has lovers and haters. Oh, but yep. the stats don't lie. 
and eventually said, get in. I didn't vote for it. Actually, yeah. I think I'm out of votes. Yeah. We need some cards to represent the 90s. The 93 Upper Deck SP was the iconic set. That's a Jeter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this one adds a foil, just like the Jeter did. The, the contribution to the design aesthetic of cards was more from 93. The 94 was just more of the same and a great-looking set. But uh, yeah. an A-Rod... Yeah, get it eventually. I actually like his '94 Flare <laughs> card. Yeah, good looking. Yep. All right, we picked a Miggy card. So, top scrums traded. We just wanted to add a few guaranteed Hall of Famers here. So, 2000 top scrum traded. I'm out of votes, but I wouldn't vote for this for a while. He's more of a great hitter than a great player. If this is his best card, it still doesn't quicken the pulse. Mm. Yeah, he's got an autographed card that's. Thousands so. in the pulse. I'm going to use that, Jim, if you don't mind. <laughs> My heart is not beating. All right. <laughs> Last card. This is one we really like. With yeah, two first ballot Hall of Famers here, each your own pool holes. We wanted to represent these guys. I almost voted for that. Yeah, that's a great card. Yeah, but would you do this one for both of these guys or two separate? One for Ichiro and. Pujols has quite a few. He has the SP Authentic. He has a Topps Chrome, Topps Chrome Trade. Would this be the one that get both of them, or should we do two separate cards? I like the idea of having them both because it tells a story. Even when they are rookies of the year, how would you know that they'd go on extended, excellent careers? Then even Pujols, when you thought he was completely mm-hmm. washed up, he got a second wind and brought some hobby excitement. So there's new hobby love for Pujols. Ichiro's always had a great following. It's like going to the museum. If you're gazing at a work of art, there needs to be some story behind it. And this is a great story of two guys. Pools, I don't know how old they said he was. Yeah. But he's older. And Ichiro at least admitted that he was older. Mm -hmm. He's been in Japan playing. Those are two guys that were rookies of the year. They were men. They weren't boys. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the card. 